Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+, plus, 18+, plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in Friday edition, football Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stemsky. We are right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And, you know, it's been a pretty crazy week. I mean, all things considered, we had a bonus show Tuesday morning. Probably didn't expect that. You had a bonus show last night. Now, you should have expected that because when there's going to be games of major magnitude for the New York Knickerbockers. We are going to be rocking and rolling every which way. And that's the beauty of the green room, live capability, get it up as a podcast. So join in live, listen back at night, listen back in the morning. And that's why we do what we do. And we got you covered. There's tons of football to get to. It is as bad a slate in the four o'clock window as I've ever seen in my life. And we'll get into that a little bit later on when we run around the league. A horrifying, horrifying, horrifying four o'clock slate. Um, and the slim pickets, because a lot of the good teams are on by, and you have a lot of really good teams facing off against a lot of really bad teams. So I need all the help I can get in picking games with the start I've gotten off to over the last couple of weeks. So maybe simplifying things will help me. It'll hurt me. Who the hell knows? But before we get to all the football and we have you covered every which way. I was thinking about this in the aftermath of the Knicks game 24 hours later. The Knicks have an opportunity, folks, to be like this beacon of hope, this like ray of light in a whole lot of darkness when it comes to the teams here in this town. And I know anytime I open up my mouth, I'm probably offending the Brooklyn Nets fan who, yes, has more legitimate championship aspirations than my team. But 
let's be honest. You're talking about a little sliver of the pie compared to the whole enchilada where you're talking about a majority of New York Knickerbocker fans. But the energy, the just fired up nature that I got from you guys yesterday, that I got around town walking around today, you know, got coffee in the morning. There was a buzz about the Nick game. I had a Nick shirt on. I'm already making conversation with people. Then I get to the golf course later in the day. More Nick conversation. More Nick chatter. More Nick chatter in the month of October than I ever can remember. And listen, I wasn't doing my platform in radio and now here in podcasting when the Knicks were rocking and rolling in the 1990s. And I know they were the main event. I know they were the number one team in town. I didn't have that opportunity to do what I do. Since I've been doing this, the Knicks have had one real outstanding regular season before 2020-2021 that was like the mellow Tyson Chandler, Felton Kidd, Rasheed Wallace, that weird 2012-2013 team with Mike Woodson that was ahead of their time. But that team flamed out and fizzled out so quickly, there was no carryover from it. There was no like trickle down where you can build and grow and have that sort of hope going into a year. Last year was so fun. For it to pick up basically the way it did last night in what was a nutty, insane, chaotic, bizarre double overtime game. We got 81 more like that. We are going to be in for a handful. I don't know if my blood pressure and my sanity can take it, but it's a likable group. And I love the fact that I will be able to, night in and night out with you guys and gals, dial into a team that's easy to like, that's easy to root for. I hope everybody understands and grasps these sort of limitations for what they can achieve as far as like the grand, lofty type of goals. I think if you can get past that with the Knicks, and I think a majority of the fan base is kind of rooted in level-headedness. I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but I do think that most of the Knicks fans that we talk to here on New York, New York, they get it. They understand kind of where the franchise is at. They know the Knicks fan has been beaten down. They know the Knicks fan has had to deal with a whole lot of nonsense and a whole lot of bullshit. And now they got a team that's that's fun to watch. They got a guy who's going to bust their ass every night in Randall. He's not perfect, but you know what? Last year, he was an all-star. Hopefully, he can do that again this year. Got off to a nice start in his first game. And can these younger players take the next step? Poppin, like what you saw last night. Barrett came alive in the third quarter. Did not get much out of Emmanuel quickly. And that's something to watch. Quickly now, you got Derrick Rose on this team. You got Kemba Walker on this team. He's going to have to perform in order to get burned. We know that Tom Thibodeau loves him a good vet. Loves Derrick Rose. He's going to love Kemba Walker because he comes highly regarded from Patrick Ewing and Coach Clifford. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. He's going to love Kemba Walker. Mark my words on that. Quickly is going to have to make sure the nonsense we saw yesterday is not something you're going to see moving forward because otherwise you will pay the price. You know this with this head coach. He's not thinking about three months from now. 
He's not thinking about six months from now. He's thinking about tomorrow. How do I win tomorrow? How do I win today? And I love that. After sitting through a year of a lack of urgency from the baseball team that I root for, and I think the Yankee fan that's listening right now can totally understand where we're coming from, having a team that has that sense of urgency, that has that sort of passion that they are playing with, it, it, it's so infectious. Like, I can't wait to watch the next. I, I, never, ever, 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 ever did I think I'd be living in a world where I'm, like, counting down the days until the next time I could see my basketball team play. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. So I'm still buzzing from that uh, thriller of a game on Wednesday night, and you guys were off the rails every which way with your reaction. So I very much appreciate that. Before we get to all our football shenanigans, and we'll set the stage, the Jets up in New England, the Giants back at home taking on a wounded Carolina Panther team. We need some voicemails right out of the gate. So, Rudy, let's hit them early. Let's hit them often. What do we got? Hey, JJ. It's Nico calling over here from the Bay Area. Uh, it's been a, been a while since I left my last uh, voicemail over here, but I felt compelled to call tonight. Uh, I've had many talks about the Yankees over the last few months, but I've let them be. So tonight, I'm going to call on a positive note and talk about our New York Knicks and what was probably the greatest opening night game I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, a lot of people are going to be calling, talking about, you know, the new guy's contributions. Obviously, Fournier went off, and uh, Kemba played a pretty decent role tonight. But I want to focus on uh, some of our guys that I feel have had a huge growth just from this first game, right? Now, it's obviously too early to tell. But from this first game, a few thoughts I had here is this. First of all, Obi Coppin. I mean, Obi Toppin, if this is what we can expect from him for the rest of the season, he's going to be just a, an incredible, incredible player for us this year. Secondly, R.J. Barrett, defensively, I mean, he made Jason Tatum look like, look, look like he didn't even know how to shoot a basketball. And uh, finally, Mitchell Robinson. I mean, Mitchell Robinson was all over, uh, all over the place tonight. And it was just, uh, look, if, if this is the season we can expect to see, obviously, I think defensively, we've taken a little bit of a step back. But offensively, I mean, we've had a huge step forward. If tonight's going to be the, uh, you know, a little bit of the tell for what we can expect. Just a little thoughts on there, JJ. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Talk to you soon. Nico, appreciate it. I thought those were some very astute observations. Look, I think the Knicks, by adding a guy like Fournier and bringing in Kemba Walker, are definitely going to lose a little of the edge that they had defensively. But it was much needed because if you watch this team play in the postseason against the Atlanta Hawks, it was obvious to anybody who had half a brain and half a clue. They didn't have enough on offense. In this modern day NBA with the rules being the way that they are, you got to have shooters galore. You got to have a guard who can break down the defense. Walker is the sort of guy who can do that. Walker gets hurt a lot and is a bad defender. He's going to get his buckets, and he's going to make plays. Fournier is going to have stretches like we saw last night where he can bang three after three after three. Now, he's another guy who's not going to give you a whole lot on defense. You have to be willing to accept that. That's fine. I love your point on Mitchell Robinson. You didn't have Nerlens Noel. You didn't have Taj Gibson. All right, young buck, you got to rock. You got to roll. You got to go make plays. He did exactly that. Mitchell Robinson could play. Durability has always been the question. Mitchell Robinson is a gamer. 
I like his upside. I like his potential. The role's there for you. Toppin, RJ, Robinson, all three guys played very well in their first game of the year. RJ did nothing for a half, but I love the way he came alive in the second half. And you nailed it. He has got to get some love, and he's got to get some respect for the sort of game that you got out of Jason Tatum. Now, Tatum's got to realize, hey, I got to take a basket. I mean, you can't just keep yucking up shot after shot after shot. I mean, dude, you don't have any jumper. Take it to the rack. But not the Knicks problem. That's the Celtics problem. Okay, who's next? JJ, I went back last night. I'm staying from Charlotte, by the way. Don't want to forget that part, but I'm, I'm so frustrated now. I went back last night, watched the entire Cashman press conference. Okay. I'm even more frustrated than I was hearing this snippet. I watched the entire, you know, over an hour of this guy dribble on. I want to hear from Hal Steinbrenner. And I want to ask this man two questions. What has happened in the last four years that makes you confident that Cash and especially Aaron Loser Cora is my daddy Boone is capable of taking us to the promised land? The other question is very simple. What would it take for you to clean house and fire Cash and Boone? I understand he's probably not going to answer the question, but I want those two questions answered. Because until those two questions are answered, I think we've got a pennyweight punk as an owner who's afraid to pull the trigger. And as long as he's policing people for $20 a beer and $1,200 each behind home plate, he's good. I do think that ownership was gun-shy to make a change. I think ownership is completely all in on whatever Brian Cashman tells him to do. And Brian Cashman did not want to admit defeat on Aaron Boone. I think it's as clear as day. All you need to know about the thoughts of Brian Cashman when it comes to the Yankee manager, he had the audacity to say on Tuesday, if Aaron Boone was a free agent manager, he'd be the most sought after managerial candidate on the open market. I mean, are you serious? Are you kidding me? After what you've seen over the last couple of years, that is just like, blows my mind. I think it's going to blow a whole lot of Yankee fans' minds. And even what was discussed the other day, I heard Michael K make this point, that, well, the Mets have a managerial opening, so maybe the Mets would be interested in hiring Aaron Boone. Well, go right ahead and hire him. Look, I'm beyond frustrated with the direction and the decision-making that has gotten the Yankees' way over the last couple of days. I don't agree with it. I think they're in the wrong if they weren't going to make changes after this year, I wonder what it would actually take to make a change. And listen, I don't think Hal Steinberg is going to give you that answer, quite frankly. I think he's going to tell you, I don't feel confident in my baseball acumen, and I'm just going to trust Brian Cashman to do so. Cashman's stubbornness on this roster, on this manager, it's worn on me. Because I've been one of his biggest supporters for a long, long time. I do believe there's a lot more good on that resume than bad. I do. I've always been a Brian Cashman supporter. I, I cannot support this way of thinking. And it leads me to the point of, well, if I was going to have this or a total house clean, what would I prefer? The total house clean. I'm not going to get that. Now it's beyond imperative that the Yankees have to make monumental changes within the roster. You're not changing your manager. You're not changing your front office. I mean, you're getting rid of basically every coach known to man. Willits is out today, too. So Tim's is out. Nevin is out. Backup hitting coach is out. And now Willits is out. So basically, half the staff is going to be brand spanking new. 
and what they decide to do as far as that goes, who the hell knows? Who they're bringing in? Is it going to be Cash's decision? Yeah, it is. Just like a lot of the main decisions that are made are not made by the Yankee manager. You can tell me that's the way it's going around baseball. It doesn't mean I have to like it. And I think it becomes that much more obvious when you see what's going on with the Boston Red Sox, who have some work to do if they're going to get themselves out of the ALCS. But tell me you wouldn't want that guy, one on your team, with the way he leads, with the way he operates, he could manage my team any day of the week. This is the life the Yankees have chosen. I'm beaten down by it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm kind of in this like dejected state of acceptance because I'm a Yankee guy. They're my team. This is the direction now for the next couple of years. I hope I'm wrong. That's really what it boils down to. I hope that I am wrong. I hope that in two years or next year, Aaron Boone's holding up a World Series trophy. And it's this like great story of vindication. I really do. I hope Tashman has a monumental offseason. Everything goes according to plan. Wishing and a hoping, as they say. Wishing is a hoping. We'll come back, set the stage for kind of blase week seven across the board in the NFL. But can we get something out of the local teams? Anything? Bueller? Bueller? That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Before we run around the league and get you ready for week number seven, know this. The four o'clock window is basically the definition of let's go pumpkin picking. Let's take my wife to dinner. Let's do this. Let's do that. because. It's as bad a 4 o'clock window as you're ever going to see in the NFL. Now, we don't have the luxury of doing what we do. But I was, like, going through the schedule. I'm, like, making my picks for my weekly pick'em league. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is the worst 4 o'clock window I've ever seen. We'll get to that momentarily. Locally, Jets coming off the bye. They're fresh off their performance in London where they got off to a rotten start. They rallied late, too little, too late, and they fell to the Atlanta Falcons. Well, now the Jets at one and four will go to New England to take on a very, very desperate and a very, very hungry New England Patriots team. I hate this spot for the New York Jets. This is the sort of game, and I know New England is not great, and they are not vintage, and the days of this being like a powerhouse New England team, I am well aware of the fact those days are long gone. They were right there with Tampa. They were right there with Dallas. Two of the better teams in the NFC, right or wrong. Two and four easily could be four and two. And I don't like the Patriots, so this is painful for me to say. They had a rookie quarterback coming into that building against a team that's in dire need of a win. This would be, in many ways, the sort of game that would be an eye-opening performance twofold. One, if the Jets could go in there and win for the first time since the playoff game with Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan and can't wait and all that mumbo-jumbo. It's the sort of game that in some way puts you on the map. 
where it's like, hey, our coach, our quarterback, maybe we got something going here for the second half of the season. That's one. Number two, it would speak to the Patriots just being an absolute mess at two and five. But with all of that being taken into account, how can you feel confident about the Jets' chances of going into New England and performing well in this game? When you look at Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks, you think about how Wilson played the last time we saw him against the New England Patriots. He can't be making those inexcusable mistakes. I mean, he basically threw the Jets completely out of that first game when they played in week two. So all eyes are going to be on Zach Wilson to say, okay, second time against Belichick, second time against the Patriot defense. How do you adjust? How do you get better? And for starters, Zach's got to take the safe throw. Zach's got to take the easy throw and allow that to work into his quote-unquote magic, and then he could kind of take it from there. So, wouldn't expect a whole lot of the Jets on Sunday. The Giants, the injury report, once again, not good. Andrew Thomas on the IR. Don't expect to see Saquon Barkley on the field. Don't expect to see Kenny Galladay on the field. And in come the Carolina Panthers. And the storyline with this game is the coach in many ways that you could have had. Because when the Giants fired Pat Shermer after the 2019 season, the number one choice for me was Matt Rule. Matt Rule, who was having this unbelievable year at Baylor. Matt Rule, who had these connections within the Giant organization, idolizing Tom Coughlin. I thought he was a slam dunk candidate. I thought he was going to be the next Giant head coach. Carolina offered him the moon and the stars. Giants didn't want to do that. Presence of Dave Gettleman. He ends up getting a crazy, crazy contract to go and coach the Carolina Panthers. The Giants end up with Joe Judge. Judge in his first year, I don't think a lot of people were complaining about the hire. Second year, it has not been as pleasant. I do admire the fact that Judge, the other day, basically said, hey, this stink is on me. The Giants performing the way they are performing, it's on me. Accountability is big. But now you got to show that you are improving the situation. This is a good time to get the Carolina Panthers. Now, I have no confidence in what I'm going to see out of the Giants. Is Jones going to play a clean game? Are they going to be able to protect them? Is the Giant defense going to quit the way they did against the Los Angeles Rams? Like, there are so many elements in play that would have me stay away from the Giants and say, well, when in doubt, fade them here in 2021. But here's what you know about Carolina. This team lost to the Eagles two weeks ago. They lost to Minnesota at home last week. They clearly are not the same offense without Christian McCaffrey. Watch the games. Look at what they were doing offensively when McCaffrey was in there. Think about how they have regressed since he's been taken out of the lineup. That leads me to believe that the Giants have a puncher's chance in this game. But this is one of those games we talk about in this stretch that's somewhat gettable for them. They're 1-5. They got Carolina at home. Then they're at Kansas City. Go luck. Then they got the Raiders at home, which is kind of in this same sort of boat. And then they're at Tampa Bay. Giants play well. I'm talking they play well. They're going 2-2 two and two in this stretch. And that gets them to 3-7. and seven. That's if they play well. There's a very good chance they go one and three. And if they go one and three, they're two and eight. And listen, at three and seven or two and eight, there ain't much to discuss anyway 
aside from the fact of what's the future with the quarterback, what's the future with the coach, and when is Dave Gettleman going to be out of a job? It sucks that you're before Halloween and you're talking about a one and four and a one and five New York football team in each conference, but it's the way the cookie crumbles. And unfortunately for those who have been around the last seven, eight, or nine years, you know the predicament, you know the deal. Been way too much losing. Now, as far as the rest of the games, Kansas City at Tennessee, to me, is the most fascinating game of the one o'clock window. Kansas City coming off a win. Tennessee coming off an emotional Monday night win, but a short week. Chiefs smoked them in the AFC title game a couple of years ago. Tennessee has the ultimate weapon in the backfield. as Derrick Henry. Is Tennessee going to be able to go and win a shootout? Because I think that's what they're going to need to do if they're going to beat the Chiefs. Expect a whole lot of points in this game. This total is at 57 and a half. My goodness. The other marquee game at 1 o'clock. Cincinnati going into Baltimore. The Bengals have been proving me wrong every single week. They're 4-2. and two. This is a big boy game, though. This is a major step up in competition. Joe Burrow and company, are they ready for what the Baltimore Ravens are going to bring their way? Baltimore had as impressive a win as anybody in the NFL last week. Chargers were red hot. They were smoking. It was a brutal spot for the Chargers. We were all over Baltimore last week. Actually nailed that one. Cincinnati goes into Baltimore and beats the Ravens. Look out. Because then I think you can really look at them and say, that's a playoff team. Atlanta coming off their London bye at 2-3, and three, trying to get back to 500. The Dolphins have been dumpster fire at 1-5. and five. And I read Roger Sherman's piece in the Ringer documenting everything that has gone wrong for Miami since winning 10 games a year ago. And I think a lot of people are trying to just make it about the quarterback. And listen, no one is going to argue at this point that they got it right in taking two over Herbert. You're just You're not going to win that argument. Even though it was what I was calling for two years ago, you're not going to win that argument. But to make it as simplistic as, well, they got the quarterback decision wrong, it's, it's not that black and white. Look at what has happened, all the investments on the offensive line that have flamed out. Look at what has happened to their defense that was a top 10 defense a year ago and is amongst football's worst defenses that you're going to see here this year. That regression and coaching, it's a nightmare. Then you got these Watson rumors that are out there. And listen, the folks in Houston are clearly getting information from the Texans. Are we getting reciprocation from the folks down in Miami? Right now, it's kind of a waiting game. Watson is a top five quarterback in the league. Uh, I've made that crystal clear. Can he play? Is he going to be eligible? What are you giving up to get him? Like, a lot, a lot of variables there. So, have fun to him. That'll be a wonderful spotlight and uh, storyline for you to walk into this weekend. One in five, Sean Watson rumors. Bad offensive line. Go get it, big boy. Go get it. Washington, two and four, taking on the five and one Green Bay Packers. The Packers continue to win games in the LaFleur era. We know there were all the storylines preseason about Rodgers and whether or not he wanted to be there and blah, blah, blah. They just keep winning. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but they know how to win in the regular season. That's for sure. Philadelphia, 2-4, and four, taking on the 4-2 and two Vegas Raiders. Vegas riding that emotional high from last week. Very curious to see how they respond after that. Then you have the revenge game for quarterbacks. Campbell and Goff. Taking on McVay and Stafford. Stafford going up against his old team. 
Goff going up against his old team. This line now has gotten as crazy as 16 and a half points. You got to think that Stafford wants to put on a show against the Lions. I just don't think Goff is incapable of putting on a show against the Rams. That's just my personal take. I think Goff is terrible. I think the Rams are going to absolutely wax him. I know Detroit's played hard in these games, but I think there's a reason why this line has gotten juiced up as as much as it has. Chicago and Tampa, if there's one game in the 4 o'clock window with the double-digit spreads that I think could be closer than advertised, it's this game. Weird vibe, weird feeling. Chicago beat Tampa Bay, if you remember, last year in a very bizarre Thursday night game. But remember, that was with Foles, the quarterback, who seems to be like the kryptonite for Brady. I mean, it's Foles and it's Eli Manning, so go figure. I have a weird feeling Chicago is going to play well. Call me crazy. I'm not going to be giving out as one of my five picks. I'm not feeling that frisky about it. I could see Chicago keeping that close. Houston and Arizona, this is a game that won't be close. The Texans are just hideous. Arizona has been the most impressive team in the league, and they're a 17 and a half point favorite. I mean, my goodness, 17 and a half points, insane. Sunday night, looks like the return to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Indianapolis taking on the two and three San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, the Colts have played better than that two and four record. And let's be honest, the Niners better get going. The Niners are in a loaded division. You have Arizona and you have the Los Angeles Rams playing really good football. And, you want to be a playoff team, time to start racking up some wins. This may end up being a very desperate, desperate type of game. And I expect this to be a very close game between these two teams. And then on Monday night, it'll be Jameis Winston and Geno Smith. I mean, can you imagine the idea of Seattle having Russell Wilson start all these games in a row, and now you got Geno Smith out there? It was not terrible against the Rams at the end of that game. It was not terrible last week against Pittsburgh, aside from the late turnover, but you know, in many ways, Russell Wilson was able to mask a lot of the flaws and a lot of the deficiencies of the Seattle Seahawks. Not seeing that now. You are not seeing that now. Do you know, Smith? No offense, buddy. You are not going to be able to do that. So that's our run through week seven across the board in the NFL. One o'clock slate. Smidge better than the four o'clock slate. Now let's get to winning ways. We need to get to winning ways. Joe Beningo actually found a way to winning ways in week six. What does he have in store for an encore? Week seven, old school, new school. It's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. 
When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. It's now time for Old School, New School. We are dead even six weeks through the year. And right? Joe B, you are coming off your first winning week stunning. of 2021. Mazel tov, baby. Stunning, stunning. We want to thank, I want to thank the Tennessee Titans for that. They also gave me a bunch of points in the, uh, my other thing I'm in with the three, two, one point system. So uh, I'm happy with them. Well, listen, it was thank them. all thank around Derek, for you. you think about this. Derek Henry. Think about this. You go three and two, you get to enjoy Tennessee, and your right. Jets are on a bye week. I mean, that's winning all around, bro. Right. It definitely was. Definitely was. And the Patriots lost, the Buffalo lost. It was, you know, it was, and your team lost. Yeah. What a disgrace. By the way, what oh. a disgrace. Oh. Bro, come on, man. Listen, you and I both and, love and the head Tua, coach. Tua, the head coach had a miserable game. Hey, miserable, miserable and game. Two has been good. And two will look good. He looked really you good. Open, you get the opening kickoff, you walk down the field for a touchdown. <clears throat> And then it was like, you know, I don't know, terrible, brutal loss. Yeah, uh, I'm still not over it. But my season's over, your season's over. Let's hope our pick segment is not over, my friend. So I am going to give you the right. honors. Okay. After a winning week, you deserve it. All right. The floor is yours. Let's hear it. Week seven, away we go. All right, I'm going back. I'm, I'm starting off with a team that I, 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 I won with last week, and I'm feeling real good about, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens at home, six and a half against the Bengals. This is this is a statement game for the Red. This is the Bengals, the upstart Bengals, playing great football, right? Come off the win last week, you know, the, the destroying the destroying the Lions, 34-11, all of that. Four and two. Burrow looks like the real deal. DeMar Chase, the whole thing. But Natter's stepping up to play the Ravens in a big divisional game on the road. And the Ravens are red hot, man. I mean, I, I mean, look, they won, what is it, five in a row? They lost opening night to the Raiders. They won five in a row since. Look what they did to the Chargers last week at home. They dismantled the Chargers. Everybody was loving them. And uh, they did nothing, uh, you know, six points in that game. So uh, I like the Ravens laying six and a half at home. I really do. I thought Against about going back to the well with Baltimore. I'm staying away from it because okay. Joe Burrow and the Bengals screwed us both over last week. I don't want to pick against Cincinnati again, but here's what I am going to do. I'm going to take a team coming off an emotional high. The Raiders last week had Mm -hmm. the emotional high after all the Gruden stuff. Played great, dominated the Denver Broncos. I think, Joe, this is the week we get let down from the Raiders. And if you remember two weeks ago, the Carolina-Philly line stunk. Carolina was only favored by three points. Carolina ended up losing the game outright. I'm going with the same logic here with Philadelphia. This line stinks. Philadelphia should not be a three-point underdog in this spot if you've watched these two teams play. Right, I think Vegas right. is on to something here. Let down, waiting to happen for the Raiders. Eagles, plus the points. Mm. Eagles outright. That is where we begin. You know, I like that. That's a, that's a, you know what, bro? I like it. Solid pick. Solid pick. Solid we'll see not- how solid it is at around 7.30 on Sunday night, but I, I appreciate that I have your blessing there. That is always good. <laughs> yes. And what, what does that mean? Eight, well, 11 and 19. I was going to say 11 and 19, 11 and 19 well, like the 2005 Yankees. No, 
We need the Tory 2005 Chinming Wong Sean Chacon magic to get out of this run, baby. That season didn't end up that great, though, for you. But never. Hey, it was in the playoffs. We'll, t- no, we'll take true. a winning record, well, both of us, at this rate. Come on now. As always. By the way, you happy with Boone? Quickly. Don't yes. get me started. No, of course not. I know, uh, I know. Uh, no, uh, we'll get to that. Well, you know what, though? We'll the arrogance of this general manager is disgusting. And we'll that's what it is. He calls uh, the shots. He does whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And they don't have that same burning fire, Joe, they did when George ran the team. They don't uh, have he's, that now. He's, got, he's, he's, he's the most powerful guy in the organization, Cashman. I would agree with that. And he no was doubt. not admitting defeat on Boone. That's <laughs> what it comes down to. Huh? Too damn stubborn. Well. Anyway, I'm not surprised by so it. There you right, go. Game Those two. are my thoughts. Not happy. I understand. I didn't think you were. Uh, game yeah. two. And I seen a big drop. I, I saw a, a two-point uh, difference in this game. Uh, the Packers, seven and a half over the WFT. Okay? I love the Packers laying seven and a half. I saw it at nine and a half. I would have laid it at nine and a half. I got seven and a half here. I love the Packers. They won five in a row. Uh, they're going to win this game, too. They, they got... You know what? It's funny. After they lost that opener to, to New Orleans, it's almost like, okay, all right, you got us, 38-3, all of that. And they have not looked back from that. I mean, they have just been uh, rolling. They went to Chicago last week, the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers, taunting the fans. That's great stuff, by the way. I mean, what's, that's phenomenal. Aaron Rodgers in the end zone, you know, with the fans and all of that. I own you and all of that garbage. You know, that's all. That's all good stuff. And he does own him. What is he, 22-5 and five lifetime against Yeah, them? I was dumb enough to take the Bears last week. That's basically <clears throat> that all was you dumb. need to know. Uh, exactly. That's it. That's it. Including an NFC Championship game there. But nevertheless, I like the Packers. I, mean, I don't love, you know, WFT. They're not that good. And, uh, you know, they still don't have their quarterback. You know, that, that situation there. Well, I don't, is he ever coming back, Fitzpatrick? What's the deal? Well, I think at this rate, they're going to keep playing Heineke. The bigger yeah. issue for the football team, their defense, which defense was supposed to be his strength. No. Joe, they give up 35 points you know, a week. I like the Packers. Bro, I love the Packers here. Six in a row for the Packers, laying seven and a half. Love All it. All right, so you're on the Packers <laughs> in game two. I'm going to yes. go against the team that you picked last week because I yes. think they have a letdown spot coming. I like the Kansas City Chiefs laying the okay. points against the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee's 4-2. and two. I know on the surface a lot of people are going to say, well, hold on a second. Kansas City's defense stinks. How are they going to slow down Henry? How are they going to slow down Brown and Julio Jones? That Titan defense got gashed by Buffalo. If it wasn't for a fourth down stop, still the right call going for in that particular right. oh, yeah, moment yeah, yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. Yeah. Only need a yard. But I think you're going to see Tennessee's defense get smoked by Patrick Mahomes. And this narrative that Kansas City is down, I'm not buying. I think we get a monster, monster, monster game out of them. Short week for the Titans. I'm laying the lumber here with the Chiefs at five and a half. I think they win this game by at least a score. Okay, well, I'm going against you completely here. I'm taking the I Titans. like it. A little heads up. Even though, even, though I'm only get, even though I'm only getting four and a half, I've seen it at five and a half. I'm, but I'm still taking them getting four and a half. I, you know what? I like them at home. I don't know how good the Chiefs are. And I, 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 I would might agree with you if the Chiefs didn't win last week and they beat Philly pretty good. What was it thirty-one thirteen? The final score of that game. You know, if they won, if they lost last week, I, I, you know, I might have looked at this game a little differently. I think Tennessee's better than you think they are, and I understand the emotional letdown after beating Buffalo. And you know, to me, I thought one of the reasons that McDermott went for the uh, went for the first down there was he knows he's going to win the division anyway. You know what I mean? I mean, to me. That's a big part of it. You know, he's not, the whole division lost. The Jets didn't play. New England lost again. 
he knows, hey, you know what? Even if I lose this game, I got a two-game lead in the division right now. I'm not losing this division. I'm going for the win here. And, and I think that was part of why he went for it instead of playing safe with the field goal. Uh, you know, I like the Titans, though. Derrick Henry is unbelievable. By far the best back in the NFL. It's not even close. To me, it's not even close. He is the one back in the NFL, one running back. I don't think there's any other one. One running back in the NFL that makes a major difference for his team. That's it. He's the only he's the only running back that you could even you know think about being the MVP in the MVP conversation. So I like Tennessee. I'm not saying they're going to win. You know I don't know about that, but you know look, I mean you're getting four and a half. You're getting four and a half in Tennessee. I mean this game could easily be a field goal game. And I think they're very they're a disrespected team. I think that you know I really do. I think that I think the Titans look at themselves. Hey, but you know we had no respect. Yeah, we lost to the Jets. I understand. We know that. But still, I just think they're a team that doesn't get – and he got killed by, by, the, by the Cardinals, but that Cardinal loss is looking pretty good now that, they're, you know, they're beating everybody. And God knows they're not going to lose this week, the Cardinals. So, you know, they're going to beat 7-0. and I like the Titans, bro. I like them. I'm going with the Titans. And we had a couple of family plays last week. Not this week. Not this week. Because we got one heads up, which I like. Because somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose, you would assume. All right, right, I can't believe I'm dumb enough to do this, Joe, but I'm dumb enough to do this. I I'm taking my team plus the two and a half wow. against the Atlanta Falcons. And I know a lot of people are going to yeah. be saying, how in your right mind can you take the Miami Dolphins at one and five, playing after the London debacle, playing after the London fiasco? But I just get the sense this season is not going to completely unravel. Right. They lose this game. You're staring three and fourteen right in the face with Buffalo the following week. Now, I liked a- what I I liked what I saw from Chua. They're gonna get some bodies back on defense, and I wonder how Atlanta is gonna handle the week off going to South Florida. Two teams that aren't any good. When in doubt, take a home dog in that situation. Maybe this is my heart talking, but I'm gonna scoop the two and a half. I think Miami wins outright. Atlanta is a road favorite against anybody. Give me a break. I'm all over the Dolphins. Yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta's a shake. I, you know what? That's not – just remember, what, here's all you need to know about Atlanta. Their two wins are against the two New York teams. So yes, that should I tell think, you something. I, I, that you know, tell that tells you something. you something. I think that's a good play by you, especially coming off the London disaster and all of that. I like that play. Didn't go that route, but I like that play. All right, so that's your third game. All right, game four. I'm taking the Colts in San Francisco, getting four and a half. You know, the Colts are under Frank Reich, and you know this, they always get off to a bad start. Always. Or whether Andrew Luck was the quarterback, Phillip Rivers last year, they always get off to a bad start. They get off to a bad start, one and four. They have the big win. I mean, you know, Houston, big win killed them, the whole deal. Um, I don't know what the Niners are. I mean, I don't think Garoppolo, I guess, is still out, right? Lance is still starting the quarterback. I don't love him, by the way. The nine a quarterback. Do you like him? No, well, I think it's early to tell it, Lance. Right now, he's wrong. He's but super he's talented. Out. The skills are there. Hurt, right? He doesn't look like he's ready to play yet. No, I think I like Garoppolo is going to try and give it a go this week. I don't know is if he? it's official yet, but I think Garoppolo is going to try and okay. do, to give it a go. Correct. Even if he does, I, I like it. This is the kind of game the Colts win. This is the kind of game where the Colts stun you. They almost got the Ravens. They, you know, they they they, they should have won the Ravens game. They almost got the Ravens. But the Niners are not the Ravens. You know, they're not the same. Even if Garoppolo plays, I don't know how good they really are. Um, I like Indy getting four, and it's four and a half. I mean, it's, you know, you're getting the, you, you know, you're getting the, more than a field goal and a, and a hook here. So 
I like uh, I like Indy. I do. Well, it I is going to be going to make a run. I think Indy's on is, is poised to make a run. Well, they always play better in the second right. half of the year. Right. They've been very competitive the last yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. This will be a family play. Now it's official. Everything I've heard out of San Francisco, and I'm seeing it now on Twitter, Shanahan thinks Garoppolo is close okay. to 100%. Okay. Looks okay. like he's going to play. Okay. But I'm with you, Joe. I like what I've seen with the yes. Colts. We no both question. had him last week against Houston. Right. They right. won that game going away. Wentz is playing turnover-free football. They are running the football effectively. And I get the sense that ends up being a field goal game. Now, maybe yes. Garoppolo comes out guns a-blazing, has something to prove. But I like the signs that I'm seeing from the Indianapolis Colts. This line is moving in our favor, which I like. I'm in on the Colts. So we got one heads up. We got one family play. I'm scooping the four, four and a half on Sunday night. I'm with you totally. Love it. Love that. All right. My last game from Sunday night, I'm going to Monday night. I love the Seahawks getting four and a half. I, I, I love them. I mean, you know, say whatever you want. That was a tough loss last week in Pittsburgh. You know, Geno is not, he's not, for a backup quarter, you can win games with Geno, especially when you, you know, it's a good, well-coached team. Seattle, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Seattle's won a game at home so far this year. They've not won. The two wins are on the road. They lost to Tennessee. Right, they lost to Tennessee. They lost to the Rams. So, yeah, I think you're right on that. Right, right. So, right, I don't think they have. I think the two wins are on the road, like I said. You know what? Uh, what is New Orleans? New Orleans, who are the three and two? What are they? You know, one week they look great, the next week they don't look so. You know, they they look bad against Carolina. They look great, obviously, against the Packers. They look good against the Patriots. Then they then they lose to the Giants at home. I mean, when they got a, you know an eleven point lead late in the game, and then they bounce back and you know they win. They got they had to buy last week, but they bounce back and uh, what they beat the Washington football team two weeks ago. So they've been very up and down. They're three and two on the year. Um, they're going to lose. I like them losing this game. Four and a half on the road in Seattle. Even with Gino at quarterback, Seattle's going to win a game at home. Uh, and I think this is this is the first one. Did you some find it very, very difficult to find five games you like this week? Uh, I find it very difficult to, to find five games I like any week. Any week. Yeah. I can understand. <laughs> but less, you know what it is? We you had not. less to choose from this week. And you had a right. lot of matchups where it was good team against real bad team. Like, I didn't right. want to go near any right. of these double-digit 12, right. 13, 14, right. 15 right. point spreads. So I kind of felt like our options were a little limited. We'll see if that works to our advantage or not. The last pick, you're not going to like it, but I'm getting it out of the way. I love the Pats lane. I was going to ask you about, about that. You oh, love my them, goodness. Right? I, yeah. This no, has... I Perfect get-right yeah. spot for New England, yeah. written all over yeah. it. They were right yeah. there against the Cowboys. Jones had the late touchdown. I think he builds on that. I don't know how the Jets handle their bye week. I just get the sense rookie quarterback against Belichick's defense, who is in desperate need of a win. The Patriots are 2-4. and four. Uh, They lose this game, game Joe. All. Their season is over. You could not be walking into a worse spot here in this game. I'm all over it. I don't care how public it is. New England by a touchdown. Sign me up right now. Yeah, I look. I mean, I can't disagree with you. I mean, as much as you know, as much as I'm tired of losing to the Patriots, I think it's 11 in a row now. They've lost to them. I think it's 17 of the last 19. The last time they won in Foxborough was the playoff game. You know, back at the end of the 2010 oh season. You know, that's the last time they won there. Uh, it's hard. C.J. Mosley looks – I don't know if he's playing. He's banged up. All of a sudden, he's got some kind of hamstring injury or whatever he's got. You know, I'm seriously concerned about that. Um, 
And bro, look, I'm so tired of losing to him, but I mean, I, I can't. How do I disagree with you? There? I mean, I, how, how do I? Now, I don't think New England's great. I mean, let's be honest. No, me neither. I me mean, neither. And, and, but it's a great spot for them. That's it the is, thing. The spot screams New England. I'll be fair about one thing. I'm going to be fair about this one thing, though. One thing with Dallas, Dallas was shot themselves. How many penalties did the Cowboys? I mean, they had well, 13 penalties, penalties. Idiotic coaching they from McCarthy. Yeah. Right. And then the end of the first half where they got totally jobbed by the officials. Oh, totally my jobbed. God. Oh, my God. No question about it. No, you're talking about the touchdown? That yeah, they on third down. Well, that you should know, have been a touchdown. But, okay, 100%. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because this needs to be addressed by the NFL. In the last two minutes of these games, okay, the half or the, or the end of the game, there's, you can't challenge in the last two minutes. The coach can't challenge that. So if they don't call the touchdown, you're, you're you know what, out of luck. They can't challenge it, bro. Where was the booth review? He was in the end zone. And then they get stopped on that. You know, it was clearly a fumble on fourth down. Fourth down was a fumble. He tried to get it over the, you know, Dak tried to get it over the goal line. No doubt it was a fumble there. But that's a terrible rule. See, I hate the fact. I don't want, see, what, if you're going to have replay, okay, replay should only be in the hands of the coach. That's it. Nothing. I don't want anything. I don't want booth reviews at all, even on touchdowns. Give the coach, you give him three, you give him three challenges a game. That's it. You don't get any more. You get three. Whether you hit your first two, you don't get an extra one. Three challenges a game. That's it. And, and there's no, at any point, inside the two-minute warning, it doesn't matter. It needs to be taken out of the hands, completely into the officials, and put in the hands of the coaches. And then I can, then I, then I, I can live with it much better because now it becomes part of the strategy of the game, okay? Where it's taken, that's taken away, especially in the last two minutes of these games. I got a big problem with that. That was clearly a touchdown for Dak. And then they didn't look at it. And they didn't look at it, They never looked at it. Dallas had, in the Patriots, that was as chaotic a finish to a game as I've seen all year, Joe. Right. That was insanity. I mean, between the pick six, that yep. Matt coming down, scoring on the next play. Right. That Dallas somehow, some way, getting in the field goal range, drilling the field goal. And if but, you took New England plus three and a half, that was your worst nightmare because that was where cover yes. went bye 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 with Dallas yes. going right down the field and scoring. So thankfully, neither you or I were no. on the side of the Patriots plus three and a half. But I was no, but I was rooting for well, I was rooting for, well, the, I was rooting for the Cowboys too. Are you kidding me? Dallas, I, I'm is, Dallas is good. Dallas, Dallas is. You know, for years, they've been getting a lot of hype. Every year, Dallas gets hype. Oh, you know, Dallas is this, Dallas is that. This is their year. You know, the NFC East is not great. Well, Dallas now is the real deal now. Now, now they got a shot to, to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they will. I don't know how good their, good their defense is, but they got a tremendous offense. They're loaded with weapons. That Prescott is playing at a very high level now, coming back from the injury. You know, they got two guys running the football. Elliott's become a very good pass catcher now out of the backfield. And Even this Pollard is terrific. Pollard, Pollard actually right, might have right. more explosiveness to his game than Zeke at this right, right, but that's what I'm saying. But Zeke has become more of that pass catcher out of the backfield than he ever was before. And you got all these other guys, man. You got Lamb. You got Cooper. You got Cedric Wilson. They don't even have, what's his name? It's Hurt. Gallup. Right? Gallup. Gallup's not even Gallup back yet. That's true. You know, they got a lot of guys, man. And Dak's playing at a high level. Their offensive line is maybe the best in football. It's right there if it's not. And uh, they're, they're good. They're legitimate, the Cowboys.
Well, so. Joe, eleven and nineteen, we're Giants, dead even. Any shot with the Giants? You like that? You like? Yeah, the, I mean, listen, the, the they have a shot. Carolina, Donald and Robbie with Carolina not having McCaffrey, they're not the same team. And you've seen no, right. that over the last right. couple of weeks. Right. McCaffrey's not playing in this game now. The Giant injury report is still a disaster, so I can't say with a whole lot of confidence that I love the Giants in this particular right. game. Right. But, I mean, Carolina is not exactly a world beater at this stage. You're getting a much, let's put it this way. They are getting a much different Carolina team than the one your team played in week one, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, they, and they didn't exactly destroy my team either. I mean, I mean, they beat them by five points when all was said and done. So, very, very true. And, and, right they, and, they, and now they've lost three straight games, Carolina. So. Yeah, but I thought right, of, they are you know, I thought about going that. with the Giants this week, but I can't. I mean, I just right. can't. There are certain teams that, yeah. like, you have to stay away from until they give you reason to do so. No, I understand. They're one of them. So, Joe's got Baltimore, Green hmm. Bay Lane, seven and a half, Tennessee plus the five and a half, Indy plus four, Seattle plus five and a half. I got Philly plus three, Kansas City Lane, the five and a half. Heads up there. Miami. Five, and by the way, Indy's four and a half, I got. Four, four and, and a half. half. You were right about that. Four and a half. So Don't the forget the hook, bro. Big Indy, hook. Big hook. Four and a half, which might be significant. Miami plus the two and a half. And New England, sorry, buddy, laying the seven. No, so, I Joe, get it. let's hit a family play. Let's hit my team. I'll lose you a bet. If the Dolphins win and I have a winning week, we'll take New England. Can I tell loss. you this, bro? I don't want to see you. If, if I don't want to see you lose the bet with the Jets losing the game and covering, okay? No, 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 no. If you're you going to cover win, I, I agree with that. That, that, that. You know, I don't want that, okay? I don't want – that's not – I don't want that. I want – if they're going to win the game, win the freaking game, and if they're going to lose – Well, let's lose, be honest. Dude, when is the, the last the time they played – Joe, when is the last time they played a close game at Foxborough? I can't Bro. tell you the last time they played a close well, game at Foxborough. I told you the last, time, it they, Gino I told you the last time they won there. Well, no, know? no. I know the playoff game like is the last time they won. When was the last time they played a game Bro. that was, like, decided at Gillette in the final five minutes? Bro, they was 17 out of 19 for this team. Bro, the last time we beat them was the game right before, like, it, it, the ultimate tease game. One of the, all, the one of the all-time ultimate tease games. 2015, Todd Bowles' first year. They, they they beat the Patriots in overtime. Eric Decker, I can still see him catching the ball now. In, in overtime, the, yes. Right, yes. From, from Fitzpatrick, right? We win the game, and we put ourselves in position that all we got to do is win next week in Buffalo, of course, against Rex, and we make the playoffs, and we know what happened there. So that's the last time that they beat the free. Now, of course, was at the Meadowland. That's the last time they beat, they beat the Pats. Oh, that's a pain. whole lot of anguish, and as you bro, love to say, bro, eleven that's a in whole a row, lot of pain. eleven in a row to this. Oh, I can't stand it. And even my team is locked into a couple wins against the Patriots. Yours says not. He plays them good. Your Dolphins team can't be. You know what though? The Dolphins can't beat the Bills. That's the problem. They can't beat Buffalo. Your team has your tradition over the years. Even when Brady was there, nobody gave Brady more trouble. Usually in Miami. Usually the games. That's where he, you know, was down there. The Dolphins always gave Brady trouble. Always. Always. Joseph, enjoy week seven. By the way, seven. one last and thing before. I know, what I know is our gotta, parting gift? I know you got to go get your uh, card done. And all That's that. right. We'll get into that. Hurry up. Now, the one thing that you and I root for that is the same team. What was your impression of the Knickerbockers? Last oh, it was awesome. I mean, the end of the game drove me to drink. But, like, right, right, I right. love what I saw. First right. of all. First of all, isn't it nice to have a New York team that makes you feel good? I mean, what a concept, bro. Yeah, they yeah. play hard. They play together. 
They didn't play great defense, which is obviously something that you're going to see from a Thibodeau coach team. Fournier and Walker are going to help them offensively. They are offensive players, which, to be honest, Joe, this team needed. They needed that. Let me tell you right now, this game really, I thought, really changed in the third quarter, and I thought one of the big reasons was Obi Toppin. Toppin and Barrett. Both of those guys right. stepped up dramatically right. in the third but quarter. But I think Toppin totally has agree. a chance. I think Toppin has a chance. I mean, he's a dynamic player in the open court. I mean, he's a tremendous finisher, uh, you know, on the break. He really is. I mean, he he runs the floor. He's going to be a factor this year, Obi Toppin. Well, and I want to see him play with part of the rotation this year. I like that. I like the idea. And Barrett, and like you said, Barrett had a huge third quarter. He didn't have. He didn't score in the first half. But he had, he had like, I think he had like 14 points in the third quarter yesterday. Something well, like that. Barrett's the guy. If they're going to be much yeah. better than what they were last year, Barrett has to take a major step forward from the second year to his they're winning, year. They'll win between 45 and 50 this year. I agree I, with I that. Not I already stopped. bet the over. Already I bet would it. Not be, what is the over? It's like only 42 and a half. 42 right? and a half. And ah, you know what? Teams that play hard that are well coached, winning, I'll take that any day of the if, week. If things go right, they could, they, they could win 50. If, they, wow. if things go right, I think they can win 50. I Even in this I Eastern I Conference. Okay. I think the conference is better than you think, though. Well, I, that might be, but I mean, you know, I mean, I, I still think this, this team is better than you than, Well, we'll say, okay, I'll say it. This, I think that, like you just said, it, this team is better than we think they are. That's I like what I think. sound of that, bro. Knickerbocker basketball. You and I have a team in common. Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, big factor this year. You watch this guy. This guy's, they got, they got something with him. That was, you know, we didn't see last year, you know, Thibodeau was kind of slow working him in a little bit. Should have played more in the playoffs than he did. He was good when he played in the playoffs. He's going to be a big player for them. I well, really hopefully think you're not uh, – no Obi Toppin for you this weekend on the golf course. I don't want you Obi Toppin. Okay? Yeah, I, I tell you, I had a rough week this week on the golf. I did not play great. You know, I, I've been playing a lot. I, you know, I almost – You have been playing a lot. Think, we know that. Like I was – I played today. I only played nine holes, and the weather's been phenomenal. I mean, you can't you – can't, Feels like San Diego in New York City, bro. Uh, oh, my Fabulous. God, bro. Uh, October has become as good a weather month as we have here now. It's it really has. I agree. Really Thank has. Global Warming for that. It's well, fantastic. Uh, if you buy all of that, but that's uh, that, <laughs> I don't know where I stand on global warming, but we'll leave that for another day. But you know, it really has become a very, very good weather month. There's no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, and I didn't play. I actually felt tired today. I played nine holes, and I played a little later than normal. Like I we didn't play till like two o'clock in the afternoon. I got. I, I find that I I don't play as well late. I got to play earlier in the day. Interesting. I'm the that. opposite. I like playing later in the day. I feel like I'm. Yeah, but you're. Yeah, but you're. You, know? you get up late. You're up. You know, you're up till four o'clock in the morning. Nah, not anymore. You More know? like one thirty-two these days. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm not on the creature tonight schedule like you and I used uh, okay. to keep for way okay. too long. We got that. We got our two cats wake us up like by six o'clock. We're up, so I'm up early every day. You know, so I I'd rather play at you know nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Let's go. Well, yeah. bro. Hopefully, I get my car situated. I want to get see you next though. week. Let's we get some wins. Yet. But Let's we got to play em. one more time before it's all done. It's before we're, you know, we're looking at snow on the freaking ground. Well, then I got to come visit you in Florida. That's all. That's all. We'll, well, well, you may have to. We may. When, when did the Jets play the Dolphins down here? When is that? December. December. Something to think yep. about. Something to think about. Right? Something to think about. The great yeah, Joe we'll, Beningo. Joe, we'll, enjoy oh, your weekend. One more side note. Between us, we'll have about five wins by then. We hope. No way, bro. I can't. I can't. It's painful. It's painful. I know. Oh, the pain. Hey, the pain I, again, I want to thank your team. This is the only time all year my team won't be in last place. So uh, I enjoy to, it. I enjoy to, it. On that note, Joe's <laughs> out. We'll talk next week. Later, buddy. Bro, all the love, bro.
We go from Joe B to one of my favorite people on the planet. He is our odds maker extraordinaire of Superbook and the Westgate. And he likes to give us a weekly tease. Hits more often than not. Had a little bad luck last week, but sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. What's happening, Arthur Cesar? How we doing, baby? JJ, pleasure to be here tonight. And that's it, man. Hey, you do this enough and long enough like we've been doing it. You're going to have some great weeks, some in-between weeks, and you just got to move on, man. That's how it is. And, you know, not a great slate of week, you know, games this week, but we got to talk about them, so let's do it. Well, you got to find a way to pick five. You got to find a way to churn through. You acknowledge the fact that the 4 o'clock window is as icky and as yucky <laughs> as humanly possible. Um, as far as bad beat of the year, would you put New England last week in that category against the Cowboys? Absolutely. I That was as bad as it gets. It was awful for us. Last week was not good for the books. The week before was not good for the books. That was probably our biggest decision of the day. I mean, we had so much money tied in to the Cowboys. So CD Lamb getting that touch. You know, we're set up perfectly. There's so many things. They, you know, New England goes for the two. They get it. We're rooting for them. Not, there's so many times where New England could have just covered that game. And for them to lose it like that in overtime, man, it really broke our backs on Sunday. You mentioned the books getting absolutely slaughtered last week. Would you say, Art, in your years of doing this, that was one of the worst weeks a sports book has ever had on an NFL Sunday? Yeah, it, you know, in my five years in the business, for sure. And couple it with what happened the previous week, we got back-to-back weeks of that. Now, Sunday night helped us, the Sunday night game, and then Monday night, with the Titans winning outright helped us, you know, it kind of got us back and stable us, stable, you know, got us stable again. But yeah, in my time doing this, those were two of the worst weeks I can remember. Last week was awful. What I've noticed, Art, before we get to the slate of games, is that the teases have been hitting like crazy. I mean, you look at the one o'clock window, aside from the game that was played in London, every single favorite hit. Um, if you're going to have Kansas City and Green Bay teased down to pick them and Baltimore teased up, like, I mean, that's how people are going to make a field day in cashing tickets, dude. They absolutely are. You know, and I read something too. Weeks one through four, the favorites were 41% against the spread. The last two weeks, weeks five and six, they're 59% against the spread. So that's just going to tell you what you need to know. When the favorites cover at basically a 60% rate, Sportsbooks are not going to have good days. We ain't kidding. Uh, <laughs> do you think they jacked up some of those four o'clock lines to give themselves a little bit of insurance for a lot of the teases that are going to be coming your guys' way? Like Arizona teased, Los Angeles teased, Tampa teased. Do you think those lines are maybe overinflated by like a point and a half or two points just to have a little insurance and protection? I don't think there's any question about it. I think now that the teasers actually have become more and more popular, you know, I've had this conversation with you before. I didn't believe in the teasers, you know, and then I just learned to love the teasers. They're just something as a better that you can find value in. And I think a lot of people are figuring that out. So when you have these big two touchdown, double digit favorites, yeah, you got to kind of jack it up a little bit because you have to have what we call teaser protection. So I don't think there's any question about that. Okay. Before we give out the picks for week seven, Joe coming off a winning week, 
I actually made improvement. I went from one and four to two and three. So there is <laughs> that. Um, we'll take steps in the right direction, my friend. What's the sucker bet of the week? What game stinks the most out of anything you see on the board here? I think there's two, but the one I'm just going to say is I think the Panthers is the sucker bet of the week. I really do. We have a four to one ticket count on the Panthers. I understand the Giants have been brutal. They've been bad. They're at home. You know, Joe Judge and Daniel Jones are going to do anything. This is the week, man. You're at home. You're going to get some of the receivers back, it looks like. You know, I, I don't know. How good is Carolina? You know, they, they're just not that good. So them being a three-point favorite and the way the money has been early on Carolina, I think the Giants plus three and even plus 130 on the money line is worth a look. I think Carolina's the sucker better. All right. You say Carolina's the sucker better of the week, but you would decide between another game. What's the other game? It involves your team. I think the Falcons are a sucker bet. I really do. I, I don't like either team, but the, the Falcons have been a pretty favorable public dog this week. People have been betting them. You know, we got it sitting at minus three at the Superbook. I, in a look-ahead line, that was basically going to be flipped. It was probably going to be your team minus two and a half, minus three. So you've now flipped the point spread. Both teams have been bad. I know... You know, the Falcons are coming off that bye. Your team played in London and doesn't have the bye the next week, which is interesting. But I think that's another sucker bet. Not as bad as the Panthers, but I think the the Falcons is a sucker bet. Okay, my friend, let me give you my card and you'll grade it. Then you can, you'll get Joe's card and hopefully you'll like Joe's card more because that means I'll actually have a really good week. Uh, I'm on <laughs> Miami plus two and a half. I'm on the Eagles, who I absolutely love this week in Vegas. I think it's a great spot for them. I think it's a letdown spot for the Raiders. Then I got the Pats laying seven. I got Kansas City laying four and a half. And I like the Colts on Sunday night. So Dolphins, Pats, Eagles, Chiefs, and Colts. Arthur Caesar, what do we think of the week seven card? So I saw you had tweeted these out earlier. So I was able to kind of look at them and just... Go over it. I'm with you on the Eagles. I think this is definitely a letdown spot for the Raiders. I put a check mark next to that. I thought that was a good pick by you. I think the Raiders probably get overvalued a little bit from what happened last week. Denver's not good. There's just no getting around it. They're not good. They were 3-0. They've lost four in a row. Not a good team. With you on the Dolphins, already said, I do not like the Falcons. I think the Falcons are a little bit of an, you know, an overplay here. I'm not with you on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs, yeah, they covered last week. But the Chiefs never cover. I just, they don't cover. It just, it scares me that they don't cover. The Titans are good. The Titans should be able to move the ball on that bad Chief defense. The Colt game is such a, such a divide. You see sharp players on the Niners. You see so many public people on the Colts. Colts are another one of those public dogs. So I'm not really feeling that one. And the Patriot one is kind of just the, the one I put a question mark next to. I don't know what I'm going to get out of the Jets. The Jets have been frisky in the last couple of weeks. I know they're coming off a bye. And who knows if the Patriots, Patriots really aren't that great. Seven's a lot in a divisional game. So that's the one I'm not really that sure about. Okay, for Joe, he's also rolling with the Colts. He's heads up with me, so you're going to like his pick with Tennessee. He's also on Seattle Monday night, Green Bay, and Baltimore. How are we feeling about those, Mr. DeCesar? Yeah, so obviously, you know, I'm going to like his pick with the Titans because I just, Kansas City never covers. Seattle at home Monday night, very interesting. They showed a lot of fight in that second half against the Steelers. People are on the Saints. 
I think you get a home team getting points. No one's going to be on them. So I put a check mark next to that. I did like that pick by Joe. Packers is easy for me. I like that pick. Washington has been awful this year. They're just a bad team. They're one and five ATS. They scored zero points in the second half against that bad Chiefs defense. Zero. I mean, they're they're horrible. Green Bay's at home. Rodgers always plays well at home. They're five and one ATS. So I really like that one. The other one, as far as the Ravens go, I put a question mark next to that one. That was you both had question mark games. To me, I don't know. I, I've been down on the Ravens, but they keep proving me wrong every week. It's a divisional game. Cincinnati's been good. So I think I'm going to give Joe the slight edge, which you're going to like. I give Joe a B plus. I give you a B. I will gladly, gladly take the blessing going the other way, considering <laughs> the way this year has gone. All right, now it's your time to shine, my friend. So I feel like you're going to stay in the direction of the cheese, right? I mean, yep, it, even course. though you lost last week, in yep. general, it's been successful. So what is our cheese play for week seven? It has, and you know, they're not going to hit every week. I wish they did hit every week, man. I'd be on an island somewhere, you know, sipping a margarita. So this is the way I look at it. Titans, I already hit on. I'm going to do a six-point teaser. I'm going to lay the 120 to win 100. I'm going to take the Titans plus plus the six points. It's going to make it 10 and a half. I just like it at home. I'm going to get 10 and a half with them. Even if the Chiefs do do what they do and win the game, I'll take the 10 and a half. And I'm going to take one of the big ones. I think the Lions getting an extra six points and getting 22 points, it's the golf revenge game. He's coming home. You know, the Rams have just kind of had this. They've played bad teams back to back. They'll probably just kind of go through the motions maybe in the second half. And with 22 points, you're at, you're at for an incredible backdoor. So give me Lions plus 22 and give me the Titans plus 10 and a half. Or before we say goodbye, I'm looking at the series prices now in the ALCS and the NLCS. Isn't it crazy that you're basically getting the Red Sox and the Astros almost at even money, and yet the Astros are minus 350 to win the series? That's kind of crazy. JJ, it's insane. We have it minus 380. You're going to get the Red Sox at plus 320. There is no way if you have a position in your life where you feel the Red Sox can come back and win this series, you obviously have to bet it that way. You have to take them on the series. You don't bet the game tomorrow with basically an even price as a pickup. You just don't do it. So, yeah, so, if you think the Red Sox... Hold on a second, yeah. then, Art. So, if the Red Sox win, and I get it, Evaldi's on the mound. He's been great in the postseason, aside from his relief outing in Game 4. You're telling me the Astros are going to be minus 240, 250 on Sunday? I don't believe that for a minute. No, but I, I do think if you if you believe in the Red Sox, I think getting at the plus 320 is just too hard to pass up. I, I mean, yeah, let's just say you laid the money tomorrow, minus 105, you win 100. Even if you're rolling it over, you're not going to get the price you're going to get. So I'm, I just think take the Red Sox in the series. You know, we've had this conversation. I took the Red Sox to win the series at plus 25, 125, because they've been killing me all year. It looks like it's going to backfire on me, and I'm never going to make any money off the Red Sox. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Houston will be a favorite in Game 7, probably a slight favorite, you know, a little bit more than a slight favorite. But if you like the Red Sox, you got to take the plus money. What do you think we get the Dodgers at if you want to take them to win game six, game seven, around 300? I already have it. I can tell you what we have it at. So we still, you can see, because you got to remember, we have so much Dodger money. Dodger money just floods in. If you want the Dodgers right now to come back and win this series, plus 175 is what you're getting. Oh, my and goodness. Wow. I know. That is nothing. Ex- that it's is nothing. nothing. It's not a great price because it's a Dodger price. 
And for game six already, Dodgers minus 170. That's with Scherzer. And you know if it gets to game seven, they'll probably be minus 150, minus 155 with Bueller. So really tough. You're not getting a lot of value with the plus 175. And, you know, the Dodgers moving forward, they're going to be the favorites. But we have to protect ourselves against the Dodgers. What would scare me about Atlanta, they were in this exact same position last year. That would scare me. Now, the Dodgers are a mess unit. Losing Muncie, now losing Turner. They're clearly not the team. Or we all thought they were going to be going back to like even the end of September. But that does scare me a little bit with the Braves, especially if they lose game six saying, oh, geez, here we go again. Oh, you know it's going to be in their heads because this exact scenario played out last year. The Braves won the first two, lost game three, won game four, were up 3-1 and then lose three straight. It's literally the same scenario, but the Dodgers now have all these injuries. They do have two big-time pitchers going, which is always going to help. Who knows? You know, Cersor came out of that game the other night with this short, sore shoulder. I don't know. I, I mean, God, you, you just don't know now if the, you know, the Braves flying home, this is in their head. They were up 2 nothing early in this game, and it just snowballed on them. So, yeah, I mean, you know us as a sports book. We want the Dodgers in the World Series because it's going to bring more betters in for World Series betting. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough to see what the Braves do here. Dodgers probably have the edge again. Arthur Caesar, we will chat next week. We will uh, have a World Series to discuss, and we shall see. Hopefully the Red Sox are not a part of it. One can only help. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, JJ, I'll talk to you next week. Good stuff from the great Arthur Caesar over at the Superbook, and we go from Arthur Caesar to our pal, who right now is leading the Super Contest between myself and Joe Beningo. The great Jeff Money. What does he have in store for this NFL weekend? What's up, Money? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper fix. This is going to be for week number seven. Now, coming into week number seven, uh, here are all my stats. Uh, I went two and three this week. I'm 14, 15, and one on the Super Contest plays. Okay, as far as our uh, head-to-head, I was 0 and 2 against you this week, 7 and 6. But as far as the contest versus contest plays, I was 0 and 1, and we... And I'm up on you of four and two. As far as our family plays, we went uh, one and one this week. We were, we're one and three on the year. And as far as the contest, when we both agree on a contest play, zero oh and one this week, zero oh and two on the year. We got to uh, pick that up. Okay. So here are my plays for this week. Oh, by the way, my money plays for each uh, week. My money play of the week. I'm four and two on the year on that. Okay. So here we go. My money play this week. I'm gonna go to home team. I'm gonna go. With the New England Patriots, minus the seven over the Jets for game number one. Game number two, I'm going to take a road team. I'm going to take Washington football team, plus the seven and a half over the Packers. Game number three, I'm taking a home team. I'm going to take your Miami Dolphins, plus the two and a half over the Falcons. Game number four, I'm going to go to a home team. I'm going to go to a bigger favorite. I'm going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, minus the 12 and a half over the Bears. And game number five on Monday night for the Super Contest, I'm going to go to a home team. I'm going to go with the... Seattle Seahawks plus the four and a half over the Saints. Again, my five plays, my money play. I'm going to go with the Patriots minus the seven. I'm going to go with Washington plus the seven and a half. I'm going to go with the Dolphins plus the two and a half. I'm go with the Buccaneers minus the twelve and a half. And on Monday night, I'm going to take the Seahawks plus the four and a half. All right, and everyone can always catch all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. All right, JJ. I'm out of here. Let's go. 
Let's go, money. I love the fact that you and I have two family plays in the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. You and Joe are going to go one and one. You have one together with the Seattle Seahawks. You're going heads up with the football team and the Green Bay Packers. But a couple of family plays, Jeff Money. New England, Miami, let's hope they get it done. So before we say goodbye, we welcome in our fantasy guru. He's ready for week seven. And this is where Jason Katz is really going to have to step up because by week score, a lot of quality players not going to be suiting up for your respective fantasy teams. So, Jason, before we get going, did you claim Dearness Johnson in any of your fantasy leagues? I only put in a claim for him in one league because I do believe Nick Chubb will be back next week, which means it's a one-week rental. And I wasn't willing to blow a lot of the fab budget that I have remaining on a one-week spot starter. I just made a judgment call on whether that was worth it for the one week. Uh, For those that did spend, kudos. It was definitely worth it. In retrospect, I probably should have done it because it was he he produced like an RB1. Uh, But I, I didn't do it anywhere, so no. Well, I'm right there with you. I wish I had him on my team. I wish I could have been basking in the Thursday night glory. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Who are the guys, though, Jason, that fantasy owners should be looking to target if they have not already with, like, just so many good players and so many good teams on by? Like, I was going through one of my fantasy teams earlier today. Najee Harris on by. Deontay Johnston on by. Justin Herbert on by. So who this week would be popular claims? And if there's one or two guys, maybe that's still hanging around, who would you look to target late? The most popular guys to be added. Uh, we saw a lot of Rashad Bateman, although he's still out there in a bunch of leagues. Obviously, Dearness Johnson, a um, couple tight ends you can pick up. But for the most part, you're kind of just scrambling the waiver wire right now to get anyone that has a pulse and that can play. Uh, a couple guys I got my eye on, uh, I'm not sure I'm not spoiling anything later now, uh, is Darius Slayton. Because I think that, uh, we well, we know that Galladay and Tony are not playing this week. You know, Barker's not playing this week. And it appears that Sterling Shepard may have aggravated his hamstring at Thursday's practice. But regardless, Slayton is at least going to be the two if he can suit up. Which is no guarantee. He's been, he was limited at practice all of last week, limited again this week so far. Uh, he might play. I think they'll need him to play. If he doesn't, then you just drop him Sunday morning and you grab someone else. Maybe Amon Ross St. Brown uh, jumps out of you. Uh, he's the number one in Detroit. She'll get at least some targets. Uh, maybe Brian Edwards. You think that this, maybe this is the week that he actually breaks out? Probably not. But again, we're just looking for guys that can play. Okay, Jason, before we get to some of these matchups of the week, if there's a quarterback to target, that you want to keep your eye on for the second half of this year that can start putting up some consistent and high-quality fantasy production. Is there a guy I should be looking at as we're going through all these bye weeks? I mean, there are a few. I think that you can start to look at Justin Fields at some point. They've got to eventually let him run. And when that happens, he's going to be fantasy viable. And the schedule won't really matter. They do have a week 10 bye, so, so it's still in front of them. But there are some favorable matchups coming up. We'll see how he does against the Bucks' pass final defense this week. I'm very intrigued to see uh, if they actually let him throw the ball. But we got to get some soft matchups in the second half. We got the Lions on tap. The Ravens don't have a great defense. And the playoff schedule is fantastic with uh, the Vikings, Seahawks, and Giants. Uh, he's one. There's another guy. Uh, I mean, you may hate me for this, but I do think that uh, barring any unexpected trades to the Texans, Tua is definitely on, uh, on, on the radar. 
I don't blame you on that. Listen, Jason, they have the Jets twice. They have the Giants on the schedule. You mentioned Baltimore not having a top-notch defense. The schedule, Atlanta this week, for that matter, not exactly a great fantasy defense. Tua, and they don't have a running game. you got to figure he's going to be able to get you a consistent 18 to 21 fantasy points a week. I don't think that's crazy. I mean, last week we saw that even in a neutral game script, at no point were either of the Dolphins or Jaguars really out of that game. Tua attempted 47 passes. He's doing that against the Jaguars. Imagine what he's going to do against teams that make him have to throw. And we, we can just chase the volume there. If, if Tua's throwing that much, he's going to be uh, at least a fantasy viable streamer. Okay, let's get to the quarterback. Must play. Week seven, limited card, limited action. Who do you love this week? Ryan Tannehill. I wow, think- <laughs> so after getting off the bandwagon last week, you are getting right back on the bandwagon when you take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Touche. That's what we do. We, we play the matchups, and we have, we have short memories here. We remember that last week wasn't a good time to play Tannehill, and we were right with that call. And this week, going with Tannehill against the Chiefs. Been fading him for a while, but if not now, then when for Ryan Tannehill? We know the Titans want to run the ball, as they should, but Derrick Henry is not going to keep scoring all the touchdowns. It's just not going to happen. The Chiefs remain one of the worst pass defenses in the league. The Titans are going to have to throw to keep up with them. I'm banking on Tannehill at least taking two of the touchdowns this week, which should be enough given who's out there. Is the fade this week? I'm guessing it because I think the matchup is just horrendous, and I think this team knows him better than anybody. I feel like Goff has got to be the fade this week against the Rams. Or is Goff not even worthy of being mentioned as a fade? Uh, you, you hit it with the second one. There's just no reason to talk about Goff because he's, he's not even a QB two. He's just not. He's not fantasy viable. No one's thinking of starting him. So I don't. It's a waste to even say to not start him. Everyone knows that. Fair enough. So Fair I, I got to give you someone that at least was a QB one for the first uh, quarter of the season, which is Sam Darnold. Uh, the real Darnold has returned. Sam Darnold <laughs> is a fade against the Giants. That's crazy. To, I mean, and I understand your logic that you're going to detail eloquently and beautifully. But that's crazy to think about. A guy who was putting up major fantasy points against a future giant defense. You don't like it. Why don't you like it? Now, a, a couple people on Twitter were asking me to take the L on Donald after the first three weeks of the season. I will never take the L on Sam Donald. He, he is who we thought he was. Just two touchdown passes over his last two games. 207 yards passing. 177 the week before. Six picks in the last three games. The Giants defense may not be good, but it isn't terrible. But here's the thing. Darnold is a better matchup for the Giants defense than the Giants are for Darnold. Interesting. Not the way I expected you to explain it, but now when you think about it in those terms, I can let that marinate. I can let that you know sink in for a moment, and I will be avoiding Sam Darnold where I have another option, which happens to be our buddy and our guy, Tua. Now, let's get to running backs. Who is the guy that we got to be all over this week? Who is the guy to avoid? And I wish we would have done this 24 hours ago because you could have given out the Ernest Johnson and looked like a genius. Just saying. Yeah, so we're doing it again with the whole guy that I faded last week. I was right to fade James Conner last week, and we're, we're starting him this week, though. Don't take this as me endorsing Conner. I will never endorse Conner. He's still barely a replacement-level talent. But the Cardinals are 17-point home favorites against the Texans. That's the largest spread of the season. They are going to score four or five touchdowns. And Connor is probably going to fall into the end zone while they're nursing a lead. So start James Connor. You start in Connor. Who are we avoiding? We're avoiding the former Miami Dolphin, Kenyon Drake. Uh, week seven is rough, and we've got so many players that are on by or are hurt. It, it makes it really difficult to say to uh, to avoid anyone that's that's startable. But I do think that fantasy managers may be inclined to try and chase Drake's RB one performance from last week. 
I'm going to caution you against doing that. Nothing actually changed about Drake's usage. He played 12 snaps. He touched the ball six times. He just happened to score twice. There's nothing here. It was just a random touchdown variance event. Not buying Kenyon Drake. Now let's get to wide receiver. We need to play one. We need to sit one, Jason. So double duty. And so I talked about the Tampa Bay Bucks pass funnel defense uh, with Justin Fields. We're going to start his number one receiver, Darnell Mooney. Uh, I almost made this Allen Robinson, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. The, uh, the Bucks have the number one run defense in the NFL, but they allow the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers. The Bears will be trailing, and they'll be throwing, and Mooney's just been better than A-Rob. On the other side, we are going back-to-back on sitting Tyler Lockett. You may be forced to start Lockett this week anyway. I know I am in at least one league, but it's just not going to be pretty. The reality is Lockett is probably not a fantasy starter until Russell Wilson returns. Geno Smith just isn't good enough. Lockett caught just two passes last week, making it the fourth consecutive dud week for Lockett. There are probably many more to come. If you need to start him, I get it. You're hoping he breaks free for a long touchdown. Because that peppering underneath that we're accustomed to with Wilson, it's just not going to happen with Gino. All right, Jason, before we say goodbye, we got two start-sick questions for you. This one, A.J. Green or Robbie Anderson in a flex spot? Who is it going to be, the former All-Pro or the former New York Jet? One's got to play. Who would it be? I was so down on A.J. Green, and I mean, he hasn't looked great, but he's certainly been way better than I ever could have imagined. He's not, I guess he's not completely dust. He's at least good enough. Uh, but he, he's only had six targets like in every game this season except one where he had two. Meanwhile, Robbie Anderson, while well, he's done nothing this year for fantasy managers, last three weeks, 11 targets, seven targets, and 11 targets. I feel like you got to chase the, those target numbers, chase the volume, because A.J. Green's not getting it. He's getting buy-in efficiency and touchdowns. And you got to figure the Cardinals are leading the entire game against the Texans. How much are they actually going to need to throw? So I'm actually going to go Robbie Anderson there. All right, Jason, final one. This one will tie in locally. It is Mr. Boyd in Cincinnati, Corey Davis against the New England Patriots. One plays, one stays home. Who's staying home? You gave me some tough ones this week. Uh, Tyler Boyd, since T. Higgins has returned, five targets, three targets. The reality is he just gets marginalized when T. Higgins is there. Of course, uh, we aren't in love with starting Corey Davis or anyone on the Jets, especially not against the Patriots, you know what they do to number one receivers. But I think you just have to go with the guy who's the number one on his team as opposed to the guy who's number three on his team. That's Corey Davis. All right, there you have it, Jason. Job well done. Continue delivering us winners. And, you know, maybe next time you'll be uh, a little ahead of the curve when it comes to the Dearness Johnson fan club. Well, unfortunately, you have me on after the Thursday night game, so there's only so much I can do. Well, I think it's a blessing that we don't have you on before the Thursday night game. I think I'm saving you a whole lot of, you know, trouble and odds and stress. Just saying. Yeah, it's a lot easier to just avoid having to deal with Thursday night. I, I was going to say, I, when in doubt, you know, avoid Thursday night. Well, isn't that a rule? Like, I feel like in the survivor pool, I feel like when I'm doing the super contest, and even in fantasy, like if I'm on the fence between two guys, I usually end up sitting a guy on Thursday night when it comes down to that. I streamed a kicker on Thursday night a few weeks back, and I regretted it immediately. Just And there's no reason to add players into your lineup that are playing on Thursday night unless you have to. Yes, Thursday night football can lead to some lousy, lousy life choices. All right, buddy. We'll chat next week. Job well done. Always look forward to it. There you have it. That's our pal, Jason Katz. We are back Sunday night with a jam-packed show. We'll have all the reaction to week seven. The Knickerbockers back in action. It's amazing that the Knickerbockers are actually putting me in good spirits. But when I have the Yankees and the Dolphins to look forward to, 
That's the reality. That's the world we live in. Fellas, outstanding job. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. And let's hope come Monday, the Boston Red Sox are joining me on the golf course. Take care. Be good.